continuing with our uh, series of messages called Tell Me a Story. And today we're looking at what I've titled the question, how much is enough? And that's a question that I want you to think through as we talk or as I talk and you listen today. Uh, as we already noticed uh, earlier in this series of messages, uh, Matthew chapter 13 contains a number of stories or parables. Some were more involved, uh, some required an in-depth debriefing or explanation, while others were very short, direct, and to the point. Our parable for today is just one verse. No background, no discussion, no debriefing or explanation. Just boom, drop the mic, and move on. I'm not kidding. We're told that Jesus told this one-line parable. And then, you remember the, the context, maybe you haven't been here, but the context in Matthew chapter 13 is, is Jesus is teaching by the lakeshore, and he's got a natural amphitheater, and he's gathered quite a crowd, and he's been teaching them on a variety of different subjects, variety of different stories. And then we're told that he tells this parable, one verse, And he gets up, walks away, and goes in the house. I'm done. That's all I got. I'm out. Now, again, just picture this. These people have gathered there, and they're listening to him, and he's telling all these stories, and and the gears are turning. And then he tells this one more. You know, no conclusion, no closing prayer or benediction. He just tells his story, gets up, and goes in the house. I, I just can't help but wonder if people just, is, is he done? Is he coming back? Just kind of chewing on that for a second. So here's the story. Matthew chapter 13, oh, simple story, simple, or sobering realities. We've emphasized that repeatedly. Again, simple story. I hope and I have been praying that the reality of this story will be sobering for all of us. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now, again, just one little sidebar here in that a woman is the key player in this story. And as I've emphasized before, last week we talked about um, women did not exactly enjoy a role of prominence in this culture. So the fact that he's teaching profound truth and he uses a woman merits attention. And so just, just an acknowledgement there. So again, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now again, back to the context. Imagine if I had gotten up here this morning and I had said to you, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough and then I headed out the door and just left you to chew on I would have done that, but it would take me so long to walk back there and get back up here. I wasn't willing to give you the time. So, all right. So... How much is enough? For the record, 
as many of you already know, what I, I have a variety of skill sets. Cooking is not one of them. All right. What I know about baking would fit in a teaspoon with room left over. All right. Quarter of a teaspoon. Plenty of room left over, as my wife so eloquently makes clear. Um, I did bake cookies once, but that's a long time ago. All right. Only because I was really desperate. But anyway. uh, I'm going to ask something of you. Please try not to focus on my ignorance of the subject. Please don't let that distract you from the point of this story. But before we look at the application points for our lives, just pause for a moment and consider some of the context in which Jesus told that story. He was speaking to people who understood the necessity of baking bread on a regular basis. There was no day-old bread store, all right? There was no pick up a couple dozen loaves at family fair and save them. It was a regular occurrence, if not daily. He was speaking to people who knew the difference between baking bread with yeast or leaven and baking bread without yeast or unleavened. Most of his listeners that day around the lake shore were Jewish, had a Jewish heritage. And they had grown up hearing about the Exodus, that time when God's people were enslaved in Egypt and God miraculously led them out to change the entire course of their nation. Part of the Exodus was instructions. Bake bread without leaven. Because you're going to leave in a hurry and you don't even have time to let the bread rise before you bake it. So just skip that step. Bake it without leaven. They understood that what that meant because that was part of their heritage. He was speaking to Jewish listeners who from childhood had heard their oral history because that's how they kept it alive. Explaining how God provided this miraculous bread while they were, their ancestors were in the wilderness called manna. What is it? They didn't know what to call it, so they named it, what is it? When their ancestors were struggling for survival, God provided this special bread. He's speaking to people for whom bread was a staple in their diet as well as being highly symbolic in their spiritual lives. So, the reason that matters, his listeners understood a lot about bread. They understood some of what it represented within their faith culture. Jesus threw them a bit of a curve with this story. Perhaps many of you have been in a situation where Somebody's telling you a story, and you know where they're going, all right? Oh, yeah, I I know how this is going to end. Well, so when Jesus brought up bread, and he brought up yeast or leaven, 
I think there's a very good probability that some of the people knew where he was going. But Jesus threw him a curve with his story. For those people gathered around the lake shore, the overwhelming majority of the times that yeast or leaven is mentioned in a spiritual or scriptural environment, it's always in a negative context. Yeast is associated with the presence of evil. Yeast is something to be avoided. A part of the Passover celebration that these listeners had celebrated their entire lives was preparing for the Passover by getting rid of all yeast in the household. Cleansing anything that might have been touched recently by yeast. So yeast was something to be avoided or eliminated. So it had to take them a little bit by surprise and prompt them to sit up and take notice when Jesus turned the tables and used it in a positive way by applying it to the kingdom of heaven. Did did he just say what I think he said? He said we're supposed to include yeast, not avoid it. I never thought of it that way. So there's a point at which it was a simple story But because Jesus told it with a slight variation, it got their attention. So what were they supposed to take away from that one line, drop the mic, walk away statement? And more importantly, what are we supposed to take away? One last time. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. First, I want us to think about the ability of yeast, the ability of the kingdom of heaven, the ability of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to generate transformation. Now again, most of you, perhaps all of you, know more about baking than I do. Okay? I'm good. But, and and you already know this, This is bread with yeast, okay? This is bread without. It looks a little different. It even sounds a little different. All right? I'm not going to taste it. But it would taste a little different if I could bite into it and get it to go. All right? Now... Some of you may have a use for this. Doorstop? I don't know. Some, some of you may like this. But personally, I find this far more appealing. I can't imagine my peanut butter sandwich on this. Alright? I can't imagine it on this, and I'm kinda hungry thinking about it. Alright? So, yeast generates transformation just as Christ is intended to generate transformation that imagery they got it as soon as as soon as Jesus told this parable they're seeing this all right they're seeing no kingdom of heaven kingdom of heaven Which one do you want? Now, this had symbolic significance. 
But this cast a vision for transformation. Dare we say life without a real, personal, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ? With Jesus? I know that's a gross oversimplification, but it's certainly something to think about. The ability of yeast to generate transformation. Scripturally, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, excuse me, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love, the yeast of his presence, the leaven, the transforming power of his presence, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. By the leaven, the yeast of God's spirit working in our lives, we've gone from dead in transgressions and sins to alive with Christ. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that none, no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Friends, that's the transformation. That's the kingdom of heaven working in someone's life and generating real sustained change. Paul commented about one of the transformations. For the spirit of God, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline transformation by the kingdom of heaven working in our lives. The quantity of yeast, kingdom of heaven or Christ, to generate transformation. How much do you need? 60 pounds of flour. It was hilarious when I was going through checkout. <laughs> Apparently, I look simple. Because they said, you know, we do sell 10-pound bags. <laughs> no, I want 5-pound bags because it looks more impressive. All right. Why are you buying it? Because of how it looks. <laughs> I invited him, but it didn't work. All right. 60 pounds of flour. Uh, that's not going to work. That's how much yeast to work through this much flour. If it wouldn't make such a mess, I was going to dump it all into a tub for your viewing entertainment or enjoyment. But, but just understand, it doesn't take a lot of yeast to transform 
a lot of flour. Remember the question in my title? How much is enough? The method for yeast, the method for the kingdom of heaven, the method method for a real personal life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ to generate transformation. In the verse that I've read to you repeatedly, Jesus said, until it worked all through the dough. Until it worked all through the dough. Now, work with me here. I have flour. I have yeast. Is this going to change anything? Is this yeast going to have any influence whatsoever in this flour? If I dump the flour in a bowl and pour the yeast on top, maybe a little bit, but it's only effective for real transformation when it's worked all through the dough. Just chew on that for a moment. Ask yourself, do I want to be transformed by Christ? I've quoted him before, and I've used this exact quote before, but there was a pastor, an author, a speaker from the previous century by the name of A.W. Tozer, and he put it this way, every man or every woman is as holy as they really want to be, but the want must be all-compelling. Now, just think on that for just a moment, all right? Every man, every person is as holy as they really want to be, but the want must be all-compelling. Just let it sit for a minute. And I'll use a very non-threatening illustration. I would like to be 40 pounds lighter and in much better shape. I would really like that to be the case. But that want is not all compelling because I don't do anything to change that. Now, we cannot earn our salvation, as the Ephesians passage says, but we have to want to be transformed. We have to want it enough to allow Christ to be worked into all areas of our life. We have to want it enough to surrender to his working in our lives. Do I want to be transformed by Christ? Do I want it enough to surrender to the process? Paul puts it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. This is awkward. It's uncomfortable to say. But if I 
say I have Jesus in my life, but I'm not different? I'm not transformed? Do I really? Ephesians 4. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay? Let's just... Let's back up and go through this again. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Friends, I think many times the temptation that we face is to put on a little of the new self without putting off the old. And it's just never, ever going to generate real, sustained transformation. We have to be willing to put off the old. Illustration that I've used before is because of what I just said about wanting to be healthy and fit and in shape but not being, sometimes when I exercise or when I exert any any energy, I get kind of sweaty. I, mean, I just have to think about exercising and I get sweaty. You probably don't want to know that, all right? But imagine if I had gone out on a hot, muggy day like this and I had gotten sweaty, all right? And I come inside, and Diana says, Oh, did you forget forget that we're going out to dinner? And I was kind of hoping you'd put on something nice. We have to have this conversation, because I don't always know what I'm supposed to do. So I grab something nice, and I throw it on over my sweaty, nasty clothes. I put on something new. But I'm still going to stink. I'm fearful at times that it's easier to put on something new. But it's hard work sometimes to take off the old first. So we are tempted to skip that process. Do I want to be transformed? And the last one I'm going to put at you. How much of Jesus is necessary for me to be transformed? And I'll give you the answer. Not much. He's already done the work. We just have to invite him to finish the work that he started on our behalf at the cross. John chapter 1, Jesus says, Yet to all who did, excuse me, John writes, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right 
to become children of God. Believe and receive. To all who believed that he was who he said he was, to those who believe that and are willing to just receive that, that is enough to generate transformation if we cooperate with the process. God wants more for us than we want for ourselves in terms of goodness, in terms of righteousness, in terms of godly living. But he will never override our will. I have to choose to cooperate with the process. Revelation 3.20. If you've gone to church your whole life, you've heard this a gazillion times. Here I am, Jesus says. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I'm here. I want to come into your life. I want to have relationship with you that will bring about transformation. But you have to open the door. Jesus is not going to kick your door in to come in and transform your life. He wants it. But you have to invite him in. 1 John 1, 9. Again, these are classics. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, we have to start the process. We have to say, you know what, Lord? Here it is. He already knows, but I have to own it. Lord, here it is. And when I do that, He is faithful and and just and will forgive our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the tiny bit of yeast, the tiny bit of the kingdom of heaven that we have to open our lives up to in order to see transformation. Am I allowing the kingdom of heaven to be worked all through every area of my life? That's a question only you can answer. But if you sense that in spite of your efforts, you're not seeing transformation, I think that's a good place to start looking. Some of us, perhaps not all of us, but some of us have a great capacity to compartmentalize our lives. And that we allow the yeast of Christ to permeate some areas, but not others. We allow the yeast of Christ to permeate some relationships, but not all, uh, not others. We allow the yeast of Christ, the transforming power of Christ, to permeate some days of the week, but not others. Our holiness factor goes up exponentially on Sundays, 
and crashes back down on Mondays. Levels out over the course of the week, maybe dips a little over the weekend, and then it's time to go back to church on Sunday, and it goes back up. That That's not the intent. The intent is for him to be worked through all areas of our life. As I said earlier, if we keep the yeast in the package, it doesn't do much. It only is effective when we allow it to permeate all aspects. If we just sprinkle a little yeast, a little bit of kingdom living on Sundays, it's not going to generate transformation. Now, I get that you, sometimes we all need to go to church on Sunday and get our Jesus fix. I'm all for that. But that's not going to generate transformation that's sustained. It has to be permeated, worked all through every area. It requires intentionally, with focused attention and effort, working it through every area then transformation will take place. Many of you know this. The Bible is full of examples of people who are transformed by working the yeast of God's kingdom into every area of their lives. Church history is full of people who are transformed by the working by wor- the working of the yeast of God's kingdom into their lives <clears throat> not perfect people but transformed people <clears throat> and again these are the these are the low hanging fruit and when it comes to examples <clears throat> when we think about david transformed from a shepherd boy into a warrior transitioned from a warrior into a godly man seeking hard after god then transformed back into a sinner living in defiance to the God he loved and then transformed into a saint who understood his limitations but still loved God with all his heart. We've talked repeatedly over the years about the transition from Paul to Saul going from a persecutor to being persecuted. We've talked about Peter from being full-on passion to drive the cause of Christ forward to denying him in in a very, very dark time to then becoming a martyr for the very cause that he just denied. Amazingly, you and I are invited to add our names to that list. It only takes a little bit. But we have to go all in and allow that little bit to be worked all through our lives. And the results can be astounding. Simple stories, sobering realities. How much is enough? How much of Jesus is enough to transform your life? I suspect most, if not all of us, have been exposed to enough of Jesus to transform our lives.
the question is, have we allowed it to work all through the dough to the point that it permeates every aspect? That's the invitation. Would you pray with me? Father, as I've said repeatedly over the past several months, simple stories, sobering realities. Father, the thought of just taking a little bit of your presence and allowing it to permeate our lives can generate transformation that will last for all of eternity. So, Father, this morning, it is my prayer that to each person here will be asking, how much is enough? Each person here will be asking, have I allowed the presence of Christ to permeate all areas of my life? That each person here will be asking, Am I surrendering to the transforming power of of Christ in my life? Or am I choosing to be defiant and resistant and not allow His love, His grace to do His intended work in our lives? Father, I pray that all across this room people are saying, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Work in my life. And allow me and allow others to see the transformation that you desire to create in my life on a daily basis. We ask this in the power of your son's name. In Jesus' name, amen. Let the worship team come back up.